I will talk about some of the things about our family that are really wonderful. And then some things that are disturbing. <laughs> well, okay, this, this is gonna get good. This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel, and my new obsession is long, slow walks in nature. Hi, I'm Allison. I'm a professional woman, but a loving mother of three. Hi, I'm Katie. My favorite thing to do in the world is just to run with no limits and no end. Hi, my name is Barbara. I have lost my two husbands this year, which has changed my life. Hi, I'm Janelle. And I like peanut butter and salami sandwiches. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Perfect. We did it. I'm like, mine is so lame compared to y'all deep. I'm like, I like sandwiches. Sounds <laughs> really good. It sounds really good. I'm going to try that. It is really good. It's sweet and salty. I'm happier than the sweet and salty. <laughs> or you can just, or you just stick the salami in the peanut butter. Oh yeah. We've been doing that too. <laughs> well, I think I told you this when I was driving the other day, I had a long trip and like, we just, there's nowhere to eat. So I bought gas station bologna and I had a <laughs> jar of peanut butter. <laughs> it was oh, like, yeah. fing- it was disgusting. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. and like dipping my fingers in the peanut butter. Cause I didn't have a spoon and like eating the gas station bologna. And I was like, this is a new low. <laughs> <laughs> But it, you know, it's like, it actually pretty good. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to have you all here. And I know Rachel is too. Um, we've been, we've been planning this for quite some time. And back in, this was probably even in 2019, wasn't it, Rachel? Where we were like, we want to have multiple generations because a lot of our guests are are kind of close to our age or within a similar generation um and we had i think posted on social saying that we were looking for people with cool grandparents and cool parents and katie's like i got one of those (laughs) um so we're finally making it happen which we're really excited about um because we've had quite a few conversations on the podcast previously around how i think a lot of the wisdom of generations older than us it's just like haven't been acknowledged properly or have even potentially been lost and that's something that we want to be able to to highlight and I think we're going to get to do that today so I'm actually going to just jump in introducing you guys if that's okay and then um, from here we'll kind of briefly just like jump into the family you know dynamic and and Get into our conversation. <laughs> get into our conversation. So uh, we, Rachel and I, both know Katie actually from Spire Fitness. If you're a listener of the podcast, we've had many guests um, from Spire on. But Katie is a. You're actually the cycling program manager now. Yeah, I am. Five years. I just had my fifth year teaching anniversary this week. So five years teaching cycle program manager at Spire Fitness and. 
I just love like one that makes, I can't even believe that because I remember you were probably one of the first people that we put through the training program, weren't you? Like yeah, you were there was no training program. Yeah, there wasn't really <laughs> training. Yeah. Training program. <laughs> we're like, come teach. And, um, Katie has just been like an absolute joy to work with. I feel like you've always just been super receptive to feedback, but you brought your own like personality and, even from an instructor standpoint, like I've always just loved your classes because your music choice is on point and you just bring like this very fun and in the spirit of this podcast, like very authentic energy that like you're you when you're up there teaching. I feel like um, sometimes and not right or wrong, but sometimes when people teach, like you definitely, people like really step into their persona. And I feel like your teaching persona has always truly been Katie, but just you know, maybe slightly like elevated for a stage, but it's always felt like it's you. Um, but then we also have Katie's mother, Allison, and I'm, I'm going to read the bios for this one. Um, so Allison born and raised in Milwaukee and has always ventured down the road less traveled as one of the first female tour directors at Live Nation Global Touring, which I feel like I've heard so much about. So I'm excited to finally meet you too, because like all of these like backstage experiences that Katie shared and on tours. So super exciting there. Um, but one of your biggest acts was supporting your children. And after the global pandemic sideline concerts for the foreseeable future, Allison leaned in and rediscovered what it's like to live life outside of backstage. So welcome. And then our next guest, this is so fun. Come on down, Barbara. <laughs> um, so Barbara is a lover of art, a good book, and her 13 grandchildren plus two great-grandchildren. And Barbara has spent 25 years as an elementary school teacher at the uh, university school in Milwaukee, living a spiritual life without limits. Barbara spent her time after her career wandering the halls of art museums around the world, found another level of inner strength after losing her daughter to breast cancer and renewed her vows with her first love for the second time. Wow, She's also great. living the definition of YOLO. I love that. YOLO. <laughs> you only live once. <laughs> yes. So welcome to the podcast family. Thanks, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to have you here. So why don't we just jump in? Um, normally we kind of ask like, how did you get here in a very brief version, but like maybe this, like we'll switch it up a little bit with the family here and how did like, just kind of maybe introduce your family to anyone who's listening. Um, Cause obviously it's a, I know it's a very big story and question, um, but just like kind of in a shortened condensed version. And then we can continue to have that unravel as we hit and continue the conversation. Before we introduce Katie and her family, we have a favor to ask if you've been listening to the true north collective podcast and you found value from it enjoy it recommend it to a friend we would love your support in helping to get the word out and to hopefully allow other people to authentically live their own true north you could also leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast but we appreciate your support in helping us get the true north collective into the hands of new people back to the podcast I can start with that. Our family, we just recently had a memorial for my father, who was Barb's second husband, and for Jim, um, who was Barb's first and third husband. And we 
have such dynamics in our family, but the one thing that we have within our family is that we respect and love each other. And we can have random, we used to have random dinners where it would be Barb, my stepmother, my dad, my mother's mother, my ex-husband, and Katie's dad, all around the same table. And we actually had to come up with an org chart for everyone, which we should have sent to you. But we wanted to have this for all our family and all the grandchildren either took a picture or going to frame it and said that this is going to help so much because our family just weaves and in, in the dynamics are insane. But the one thing, and I think what happened was, is we learned, I learned from my mother and from Barb and my kids learned from me that no matter what happens, you put your children first and you make sure that the relationships continue no matter what path someone may lead on. And it's really important to show love. And if there was any discretion, it would be done in privately and not in front of the children. That's amazing. I love, I love that org chart too. That's so cool. Um, so when, I guess like just kind of jumping in to the conversation on three generations and I'm curious and I know we'll, we'll get to it, but a lot of, as I had mentioned, what sparked this conversation, having it is the knowledge and the wisdom that all the generations have and, and to carry that on and share it with their children and their grandchildren. Um, and I, you know, things always evolve and they change, but I think it's really important not to forget the lessons of the generations before us. So with asking or stating that, I guess, is there something that you all would like future generations of your family to know and remember? Do you want to take this one? Well, the, the, the thing that's the most important to me is that, well, first of all, I have always, <clears throat> I have always said, um, everybody in our family stays family. We are always family. And our family has taken a number of very different turns. But the focus in our family, whether the children and grandchildren realize it or not, has always been God is at the center of our family. And um, in whatever way they believe that, or what, however they think about that, it is part of their family. It is part of their life. Yeah. I think um, as far as our future and knowing what the past, the current generation of you and Katie are and the generation that no one has ever, nothing like this has ever happened to previous generations. So what we, the older generation, has to guide the future generation is to take it, you know, take your wisdom, but also open your mind because I can't tell Katie, it's not like we've gone through a pandemic or we've gone through political situations that are current, um, but you just need to focus and not be afraid. And the biggest thing is not be afraid to ask for help. I think that um, 
our generation and Barb's generation always just put it under the, the rug and ended up self-medicating or, you know, doing other things or living a life that they couldn't stand um, because they didn't want to admit that there was issues. And I think this generation needs to embrace mental health and um, focus on making people in tune with their, their bodies, their minds, their mental states. And I found this on social media the other day, and I, this is kind of the, the epitome, what I want to tell the future generations, but it's a saying that says, you are personally responsible for becoming more ethical than the society you grow, grew up in. So it's to take the negativity of the current situation and grow from that and learn and how to get rid of it and how to move forward in their own. Because you guys have got a lot of work ahead of you because of previous generations. And I apologize for that. <laughs> well, I don't think you should apologize for that at all. Because um, as I, I, I was born in 1934, and um, so we were still, still living in the Depression. And, um, and life has changed for all of us so dramatically since then. Uh, and I don't think that our children and grandchildren have any notion about how really totally different it is now than it was then. And um, I, have, I personally right now believe that this very difficult time that our, our, our country and our, each person in this country is going through is because so many of the things that stayed hidden in the past are coming, I've all come to the mm -hmm. surface and it's dramatically affecting everybody. And uh, we're all beginning to see that every single human being on the face of the earth has their own personal way of coming to the truth for themselves. And that we need to, um, we can't open our ears wide enough to hear what people have to say authentically. And um, uh, we, we, so it will take years and probably decades or even centuries to come to a new way of actually dealing with people dealing with the world in a better way. But I think we're on a very exciting verge of That's that. That's true, right that is moment. true. Mm -hmm. I, I love that, you know, the question comes from, you know, what wisdom do you have? Because I think I'll speak for myself, like help me, you know, be able to stand on your shoulders. And the wisdom that you just gave was actually so profound because it was, yeah, you can stand on my shoulders, but really you need to figure out how to stand on your own. That's what I heard. Mm -hmm. And, and to do that, it is being able to be open to allowing each person to find their own expression. And, to not have to have it be so rigid or hidden or trying to fit into um, some preconceived notion or predetermined formula. And wow, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, I just see a lot of kids, like my friend has two teenagers and with this whole pandemic, they have actually grown into more of, you know, introverted behavior 
And it's, I don't know if it's because they're afraid or they don't want to deal with it, but that's the whole thing is we need to nurture them to become one of their own and not to rely on everyone. They need to come to grips and rise up. Where did you, where do you think your family has gotten this sentiment? It seems very innate to, to your family. And where do you think that came from? I mean, I definitely think from being somebody growing up watching both my grandmother and my mother, there's been so many things. Life was, has always been so good for so long, but then there's been so many roadblocks that came up, whether it was the death of a family member very suddenly or a family fight that may have separated or added some tension, but we all learned that life is too short to dwell in the past and to become obsessed with these terrible things that happen, but really using them as a launching pad of what that next door you're going to open in life is. Yeah. My personal experiences, um, you know, these two know, but when Katie was like 13, when I moved, yeah, was about 13, I made the decision, and then my boys were even younger, um, nine and eight, I made the decision to move from Wisconsin to Florida because my- Without us. Yeah, without them. Because A, I didn't like necessarily like the education in Florida, and B, I had no choice because my job had been dissolved. And it was the hardest decision I made, but it was a decision because you can say if mama's not happy, no one's happy, but it was a, a thing that I had to do. And what it ended up doing is opening up so much opportunity, not only for myself, but for my kids. And the only reason why I did this was because of our family network here in Wisconsin between Katie's dad and my ex-husband and no, not the same <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah. And, and people. Barb and my father, I knew that my kids were going to be okay. Um, and eventually I did move back, but it was a very hard thing to do. And I lost some friends because of it, because they didn't agree with me. And then when I went on the road, people were saying, well, how can you go on the road? You've got children. And I said, well, first they're not attached to my breasts. They're <laughs> older. And, and then I would go around the room and I would ask, Jonathan, how many kids do you have? And they, he would say two. And then I'd go, Ethan, how many kids do you have? Three. And I'm like, what's the difference? Why are you, you know, chastising me for being on the road when there's tons of people who are male that are on the road? So it learned, I was very much in a very male oriented, uh, career, it has changed so much. Our, my company has jumped it to diversity and bringing women up, which is amazing. But it taught me that um, you've got to do what you've got to do. And sometimes it's going to be really hard. And you just need to make sure that everyone's okay. I mean, Katie went all over the world. And, you know, she's but my kids never really got into the whole thing. Like, I'll never forget, we were sitting at the Bradley Center when I was a local um, here with Live Nation. 
and we were sitting and catering and Katie was doing her homework and her stepmother, Susie, got all flabbergasted because the Backstreet Boys were in the dining room eating. And Katie's doing my homework. Katie's doing my homework and she's, Susie's like, oh my God, don't There's you Nick see- Carter. There's Nick Carter. And she's like, and? And? <laughs> I'm like fangirling and I'm not even there. I'm just like, wait, what? You were in a room with the Backstreet Boys? I did meet, I did meet Brian once, but anyway. <laughs> Sometimes you have to get out of that comfort level and that comfort zone. And as you know, I knew my kids were okay. I knew that they were going to be taken care of. And it allowed me to grow amazingly to the, ne- the next level. And I was always there for them. It's so funny, right now I'm having this realization that Allison and I have been on the same track all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, because I made that hard decision to leave my first husband, who was the best husband in the world and a wonderful father, but I was never in love with him. <laughs> and I fell in love with, with uh, Allison's uh, father. And, um, and I knew that because Jim was such a wonderful person that he needed to have a woman uh, that really, really loved him. And, um, and so I decided I would do the hard thing and people didn't, it wasn't popular with, with anybody in my family because, oh my God, how are you leaving this how can you, you're such a perfect couple. Well, how is it, why is it that you're breaking this up? And, um, uh, and so I ended up marrying Michael, of course, and I knew he wasn't really the kind of husband I wanted, but <laughs> I was really in love with him. Besides, I was 47 year, 37 years old, and I really didn't have a, a career in front of me. How was I going to make any money to live on with these kids? So, um, and so my life, when I married Michael, my life flourished in a way that I had never imagined. I went to school right away. I got a wonderful job after school. And, uh, and then it's so funny because if I hadn't left Jim, he never would have discovered the absolute love of his life and had a wonderful marriage with her until she died. And she died of cancer but it's like that was that was a perfect perfect marriage and so you know we some we often make decisions that are really wrong or really decisions that we think everybody else knows we're just crazy to do this which is the same thing Allison is talking about and yet it turns out to be everybody's life flourished Mm -hmm. and uh and I always said to Michael that Allison was his greatest gift to me because we didn't always, we went through a, a short but difficult time and it didn't last very long because then when Allison came back to live with us, Allison had determined how she could flourish in, with her father and me. And we just, from then on, we've always just had a really wonderful very, very, very satisfying relationship. For I guess for both of you or all of you, how how did you get to the point where you were able to make the decision that 
didn't make sense for anyone else but you? Well, with me, it was a lot of talking to Barb <laughs> and my kids. Uh, I mean, they were a little bit too young. Uh, I leaned on my, my bestie, Natasha. But it was just a lot of intergo. I'll never forget being in that airplane and just sobbing and thinking I made the wrong mistake. I made the wrong mistake. And so, I mean, to some point I talked to God a lot and, um, you know, not being religious, but just saying, help me, you know, I'm so afraid. I don't know if I made the right decision, but I always had that little piece or that little voice in the back, honey, go for it, do it. And you can always come back if it doesn't work out. So it wasn't like a, it was a finite decision, but I needed to make that because I didn't want to be 70 years old, 80 years old and say, why didn't I do that? And I feel, I feel the same way. And I think that Alice and I, and I both made that decision uh, because, we, because we knew women in the past had never had the opportunity to explore maybe what they came to believe in or wanted when women used to get married when they were teenagers when they were really young and they were always dominated by the men they married in one way or another some very kindly and wonderfully but other times very very badly and i thought i thought the same thing i didn't want to be old and being unhappy with jim for the, for, for all the time uh, and, and, uh, whoops, that's sorry. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's just been a wonderful journey through life. Yeah. But the, so the other thing is what I'm trying, I think what we're both trying to say is, especially for future generations, don't be afraid to put your foot in that water. Don't be afraid to open up your wings and fly. Just make sure that you're covered and you, you know, you know, I also don't want the future generations to just give up like, Oh, I don't like this. I'm moving on. You know, you know, to really look inside before you make a decision like this, but don't be afraid to spread your wings. It's, it's only going to open up more doors. And I think we've been role models for our children. I think that they mm -hmm. will, they will, do all those things yeah and Definitely. they're and uh, and our our my grandchildren now are becoming of age where they are asserting themselves in this world and they are doing a great job of it i was actually just going to ask that katie because that's i mean it's beautiful modeling from both generations before you and i was going to ask how you feel like that's impacted your life and the decisions you've made well, I mean, for a lot of, for a while, I kind of just used both of their strengths to hide behind and be like, well, they'll take care of it for me, because that's just the kind of generation that we've lived in. We've kind of just waited for someone else to do it. But now as I've become older and I'm in my early 30s, I realized I need to stop waiting for other people to do things for me. And it's time to essentially grow up um, in mentally, um, in career choices. Like I 
had a few full-time jobs where I just did them because I knew I needed a job, but absolutely hated them. And I actually just went back to a job that I had previously that I always really liked, but then was like, but what else is out there? Or, and just went and did another job that was so unsatisfying that I quickly went back to my job in nonprofits. And I just feel like now I'm at the level where I'm speaking up for myself a lot more. Um, and I learned that from watching them, it may have taken me a while to do it for myself and just been like, mom, can you take care of this? <laughs> Grandma, how do I do this? But now I'm hoping that I'm being a good example for them and I can start doing things for them, for them to finally take a step back and work. I want to just tell you, interject something about Katie. Oh, when uh, she, because I spent a lot of time with Katie when she was growing up, uh, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had been Allison been here. And uh, because Katie uh, developed a real attachment to me and, and I to her. And uh, so anyway, one of the things she did, we did, was when, um, when she stayed all night with me, I would read, we had a certain number of books that we had to, to read every night mm -hmm. when, before she would go to bed. And, um, and then, uh, then by the time that she was ready for kindergarten, um, it's like I was reading the books to her and somehow or another, I discovered that she could read. <laughs> and um, uh, I she wasn't, she didn't want to reveal that to me. And, uh, but she really, she loved the fact that I read to her. And she said, Grandma, if, I don't know if she said this or whether I figured it out, but anyway, <laughs> she said, well, it, you know, you wouldn't have kept reading to me if you knew I could read by myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's a good analogy. Uh, we're, we're all pretty independent women when you actually do yeah. realize it. And my daughter, who is in the mix, and she should be here too, but, um, but she was a very independent woman who was very dependent on her 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 brother all the time that she was growing up, and, uh, and then she flourished also. Mm -hmm. Where do you all think that independence comes from? Is that just something that was inside of you? Do you think you learned it from each other? I, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I think it's in our genes. I, I truly think, I mean, my mother, Dorothy, who's not here, um, kind of did the same thing when she moved to Mississippi after my brother graduated and brought me and she kind of made that jump and then when I couldn't stand Mississippi and I moved back with Barb and my dad she stayed down there but she I mean we come from a land a family of educators um, my mother is very involved um, in the uh, diversity end of humankind to um, elevate them and bring out their causes. She was a teacher for UW Extension. Obviously, Barb was a, a lower school teacher and then a headmaster. But we've always had this, you know, Barb would sit around the table every night and do homework. And, you know, we just saw it and, and it was just this 
thing of women, especially in the 70s, they were doing things. My mom was going to school. Barb was going to school. And we saw that grow up. And But I think a lot of it, it's just within ourselves that we just said, I'm not going to sit back and do nothing and be, you know, a good little housewife. Want to ruffle the feathers a little. <laughs> well, I have always wanted to be, I have always... I have always been independent. Uh, I've always been a person that I think gets along with everybody and follows rules. But if somebody said to me, a psychiatrist that we'd gone to for divorce counseling at one point, he said, you know, you're a very subversive person, which meant that meant, um, you know, you want things your own way. Because they'd said to me, you know, you, you too, when we had, a, Jim and I had divorce counseling, they said, well, you could, you can move on to uh, having a good marriage. And I said to him, I said to him at the time, which I don't remember, but Jim remembered, he, he said, I said, well, how good will it be? <laughs> and because uh, I knew it was never going to be as good as I wanted it to be. Um, uh, so we, and then he, he had, he, one of the reasons I married him in the first place, not only was he because he was so smart, and so good. He had a mother that was kind of got to be my role model in life. She was a very, very caring, uh, intellectual woman, very bright and very loving. And um, I, so I always followed, felt I followed. Oh, it's so cool. You guys are amazing. And I, I'm thinking about my own family, like generation, and on both sides, it is the same thing, like very, very strong women. And there's an and to it too. Like the modeling that I received definitely has had an impact on um, how easily or more difficult it's been for me to be, to step into my rebellious nature. Cause I definitely have that. And I can see it in both of my grandmas, um, I only have one that's still alive, but she's 103 and she is just wow. a wow. spitfire. Yeah. yeah. She, she loves, um, dirty joke day. And so she calls me on the phone and <laughs> tells me dirty jokes. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's, it's, I think it's what I'm taking from this is the reminder that, um, we can be independent and there can still be other things there at play and, and the support system that you surround yourself with, whether it's the family that you were brought up in, or maybe the family that you, you know, create around you can play a really important role in, in that journey of um, playing with those two seemingly opposing parts of ourselves at times. When you think about how many strong women there are in the world everywhere and how they're emerging uh, and, and of course, you can't help but think that men have kept women down in their place for all these centuries because they knew that women were better. <laughs> <laughs> were not better, but they could do things without them. Without them. <laughs> and um, in, in fact, when um, Allison's father divorced me, I we think that to another level. That's another st story. For another but day. anyway, I had, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and I, and I thought that 
it wasn't because we didn't love each other anymore, but he, he felt, I'm sure he felt, we never did talk about it, but I, my idea is that he just never felt that I needed him as much as the woman that he, <laughs> he, he ended up with, his, ended his life with. And uh, I think that's just so true. Mm -hmm. It's just that, well, and as soon as I got over being, uh, being miserable about the fact that he divorced me, I just went on to have a wonderful time with, with sure all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I would say, I love living I, alone. I love living alone. I, can, I love my life. I love my life. <laughs> and, and then I ended up marrying my first husband again, which was really funny because that seemed like the, uh, the thing to do. Because we had always stayed friends and we were close. And he did know me. He did have known me longer than anybody else. And, and so it was really easy to do that. And, um, uh, and now he suddenly died. And it's like, well, here I am with my self, alone life again. <laughs> so, it's, and I know I don't have that many years, because I'm 86, so I don't have that many You've years left. You've got 500 years best left. And I just have all these wonderful children around me. And I do have great children. So, Thank you. And my, my grandchildren are uh, outstanding. Oh, thank you. One of the things I want to just interject is because we have just had the funeral for, for both men. And uh, there were, there were uh, seven or eight grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Was it seven? I guess it was seven. And, and so at the, at the luncheon afterwards, I asked all the grandchildren to say something about their, grand, their grandfathers. And uh, all of those kids had so much problem emotionally talking about them they could hardly they could hardly get their thoughts out because um, our family is so close that it's really an emotional family go ahead Janelle. i was just going to say that's i mean the closeness is really beautiful um i was actually going to ask a different question so rachel if you had something to add to this, go for it. Yeah, I just, I was just going to say, I appreciate you, you shared in the intro, um, losing those two men was like changed your life profoundly, I think is the word that you said. And I can, I can feel it in how you speak to them and how you speak about your life and how it was impacted with them. Um, and so I just, I am honored to be able to share, share that space with you. So thank you. Yeah, and just to let you know, both men died within a week of each other. Like, yeah, it was a minute. Two Wednesdays in a row. Wow. And what we did after each one is, sorry, we all came together, um, anyone that was in town and uh, uh, people that were super close to us came to our house and we just had parties and we celebrated, celebrated their life and not you know, there definitely were tears involved, but we all shared some really great stories. And that's how I think, I mean, to lose two people in your life within one week is huge, but we all came together as a family to uplift everyone and put people on our shoulders to carry them through this. I, I will say another little thing at the end here, because 
even though we are very, very close and we just feel that everybody belongs in the family. I, I have a, one granddaughter who um, has always been a problem for all this. And uh, so when I gave her- This, is, I, this is forever on, online. <laughs> uh, I gave her $1,000 for her wedding. She recently got married just about a month ago. And um, she sent me, a, finally sent me a, a thank you note that I got set Friday. And, and she said, you know, thank you for being, coming to the wedding and being there. But, she's, but she ended up with a caveat. You know, I don't feel part of this family. And there are people in our family mm -hmm. that aren't, that don't feel included. And I'm thinking that has a lot of, of that's, that's, we need to be thinking about how we, how is it we make family, people in the family that have, for one reason or another, don't realize that they have separated themselves from us and, and miss that, miss the fact that they're not with us. And so I think that's a challenge for us. And I also think that's also what's happening in our country. We have people in our country who have felt left out and disregarded. And we have to, wait, have to figure out a way to make people feel that they belong because there's many, many people in this, in this country that love being here, but feel that they are always Except told that they really don't belong or that they're not welcome. And I think that's a challenge before us as, um, as families and as a country. Mm -hmm. And I, I hear in that, that it can be, I mean, these are my words, but it can be easy to like, when you are, feel a part of it, you feel the goodness and to not necessarily look beyond that. And there is an invitation to, to absolutely do that, both within our family structures, our communities and much bigger. I mean, our family is definitely not perfect. We, we talk about the love, but we, we have, uh, some issues. Yeah, we definitely have issues that we need to deal with. And uh, they're, they're, they're the same kind of personal issues that are also um, cultural issues. And um, country, every country has, has really the similar kind of issues to deal with. How do we make the people that feel unincluded, included? I just, I appreciate that you all acknowledge that though, because I think so many times in family structures, it's so much easier just to, and, and you could compare this to society too, but just sweep it under the rug and just be like, it's fine. It's fine. Nothing's happening here. We love each other. It's great. Um, so I just have a, a, an appreciation because I think that that probably contributes to how close you all are because you address the tough things. You have the tough conversations and you don't just let them go. Um, so I just wanted to, to call attention to that because I think it's really beautiful. Taking a really quick break to let you know that the True North Collective is on YouTube. 
How exciting. We have been starting to use video on these podcasts. So if you're more of a visual learner, make sure to check us out on YouTube. We will link it in the show notes and you can actually watch our Zoom calls as well as listen to the audio. All right, let's jump back in. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I guess for you who always just assumes that all of us are happy and taking care of life, it's, and like, because this family is so strong, I guess it would be pretty almost disturbing for you to realize that there was somebody who was on the outside looking in and seeing all of our, like, super close family photos, us taking vacations and just feeling like they're not a part of it and not being a part of something that was, you assume that you'll always be included with. So Wisconsin, Milwaukee is really the nucleus of our family. And a lot of, um, you know, like uh, Barb's uh, sons live out in Idaho and New York, respectfully. And then the uh, you know, it's, it's what, it's how they choose to interact with everyone. And I think um, maybe they didn't make an attempt to be a part of the family thinking that they live too far away, but there's other means. I mean, I remember, you know, my mom always saying, oh, you've got to call your grandma or your grandpa. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And then guess what? One day they're gone. And I used to say that to my kids all the time, especially about my grand, my father. You really need to see him because one day you're not going to be able to pick up the phone. So it, it works both ways. We need to and they need to interact and take that step in their own hands, I guess, too. I feel like this is a family therapy session. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hope that no, other it. people hear this and you know, maybe go, yeah, maybe I do have to call my grandmother, my brother, my whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and I hope this helps people realize that nobody's perfect. No family is perfect. I mean, our family is far from that. And, but accept it that, and accept it, the quirkiness and, you know, the things and, and um, apply it to your life, you know, just we do accept most of the quirkiness, but there's quirkiness that we don't really appreciate or accept. Those are the kinds of, of issues that we need to, to face. And we will, and uh, we'll be better for it. And maybe we'll be an example for um, other people, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, what's, what you're representing in your family and your vulnerability and sharing it so openly is like it's um it starts within our within our worlds you know within our groups of people and and there are parallels to this even though it is really specific to your family there are parallels to other families to collectives to our country and your ability to um, show your relatability, share your relatability, share the journey. Like it's possible for us to talk about this is, is hopeful. Um, I mean, I hope it's hopeful for me as I look at my own family and sometimes it can feel overwhelming to look at what's happening in the world and be like, what can I do? And to see the parallels within our own world, you're representing that beauty like so well right now that it, it really does start right with us. Well, we always hear about, you know, people are always saying, you know, you need to listen, you need to listen. 
Well, we haven't figured out what it means to listen. And I mean, we do from time to time, but as a society, and Americans are so freaking independent about what everything they, you know, they want. I think it, maybe all, all people today, they have a new expectations of maybe having more happiness than had been had in the past. But we have to listen to one another. And, and so far, we're not really very good at it. <laughs> And it's weird because Barb went through the Depression and through, you know, World War II and things like that. So she has those experiences that she can share with this generation. Um, myself, the only thing that really has impacted my life drastically is, uh, of course, 9-11. Um, but that's something that's totally different in a way. Um, and And... You know, so I don't have the experiences that Barb had. And so I look at these, this generation and go, you guys are, I feel so sorry for you. I'm so sorry, you know, with climate change and, and pandemics and, you know, them getting out of college and not being able to get a job. And it's just, but the thing is, is I need to be there for them and, hold their hand and make suggestions, but this is a world that I'm not used to. So I'm thinking the generation of Barb's age really needs to step up and, you know, um, help our generation, help this generation. And I hope I don't have to go through this again, oh God, or, no. you know, whatever. And I always said, you know, everyone's always like, Oh, do you want, don't you want to be a grand grandma or something? And I'm like, at this point, I'm fine <laughs> with two dogs because we got to figure this world out because we need to make sure that the unborn, the people, the kids, the grandchildren that I eventually will have, um, have a life and a world that understands them and brings them whole. So no, no pressure. Okay. okay. <laughs> I give thanks every day for the washing machines in this world. <laughs> because the way people used to have to do their laundry was just <laughs> absolutely atrocious. And um, I, love, I love that so much. As someone who uh, has been doing my laundry in a kitchen sink recently, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is clean, right? So I, I am curious then, and, and Barbie can politely decline or pass, um, and we've we've been talking about it, but as you think of everything that's just been happening in in 2020 for our generation, what do you what do you wish? What do you think we should know? What's your your thoughts and your wisdom that you would like to bestow think, on us? I think uh, I see lots of. It seems like this country has too many people who don't appreciate history. Because so because everybody every country's history has some really bad things about it, and um, and and, uh, and but you can't you can't uh, not appreciate the good things because of the bad things that also went in each person's life. When you think about the saints in the world that we appreciate or we think are so wonderful, they always 
they were probably a really a thorn in the side of their whatever uh, community they lived in. And, um, and, 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 and they also had done some really, really horrible things. The church is a great example of doing horrible things in the world. And, um, and so nobody in this age has the right to think, oh, we're not going to make those terrible mistakes because we'll, we'll have our own set of terrible mistakes that we make that will affect the future of the world also. So, it's, so we just hope that there's more, more things going on that are going to have good outcomes than bad outcomes. But we're really fortunate not to be we've gotten through the 1900s that had a, two world wars. And we come out of that and I, it, it feels to me like those things aren't going to happen again. Now that may be really wrong, but I, I, I feel like we've learned a lot as, as we have more middle class in the world who wants a good life. They don't want to live with war all the time. And many countries have lived with way too much war. Yeah. And my thing is, I think our generation, the one thing I've heard from Katie's generation is that the current education society or current education system doesn't teach them how to live. Yeah, that's for sure. They, you know, uh, what's a mortgage? What's a mortgage? Finance, four hundred one, retirement. Which y'all have to save money <laughs> in order to live once you're our age. But they, but we have to teach them these life stories. This, this, these life textbooks of, you know, how to do it. And it doesn't have to be like in a square. You can get out of the box, but you know, to take physics and economic, no, economics is important. Chemistry. But chemistry, I mean, they need to revamp the education system to teach them life and life uh, sustaining and how to survive in a world that with technology has gone through the roof. I mean, ask us how to do a Zoom call. You know, we're like, what? But there's so much stuff that they need that this generation and future generation needs to know in order to help them live. Well, and also like emotional intelligence. How do I make a mistake? How do I learn how to build resilience or self-generated initiative, trusting my intuition? Um, Absolutely. Making long-term, making decisions based on the long-term consequences, just not just the short-term, you know, quick hit. There's like, so much. Yeah, in the school, it was like when you failed at something, when you made a mistake on a test, on this test of topics that don't matter, like the mitochondria of the cell cycle, you made a mistake because you couldn't remember one thing, you failed. Not saying that everyone deserves gold stars all the time, but there was just so much structured around don't mess up because you will fail. And that can transfer over into so many things if you were basing your life so much on books and on facts and all that. Well, so. I think my generation and the younger parents of today are spoiling their children so badly. And I think it's out of guilt because they work so much. So sure, honey, we can 
I'll get you that computer. You can have, you know, that phone or whatever. We need to rear back on that and not feel guilty and tell them to do their chores. And, you know, because it gives them a sense of responsibility instead of doing everything for them. Okay, I'll do your laundry. Okay, I'll do this. I mean, because you need to know how to be responsible for your life. And I think that um, a lot of, and it's the fault of the parents that they're just giving up and giving in. Well, so. we do need leaders in this world that will uh, lead compassionately and intelligently. On, and right now the world has a lot of really faulty leaders <laughs> and um, uh, who are causing great deal of havoc with their own people. Um, and, you know, so we, this we is still have a whole, a we whole don't long way to go before, but we have, but we, when you think about how much wisdom there is in this world and, and it is being shared and, um, and it's, it's available to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about Galileo, who was excommunicated with, from the Catholic Church, because he had made some, he made the mistake of making some disclosures of the way he saw the world happening. And he's only been pardoned by the Catholic Church in the last uh, half century. So it's like, I hope that now when we do make mistakes, they get understood sooner than past generations who were on the forefront of what was happening in the world. Beautiful lesson. We, we talk about that a lot. And I, I think I said just in a past podcast episode, like I want to fail and I want to mess up and I want to celebrate the messiness that, that is life because it is I mean, Katie, just like you said, I mean, that hit very hard for me. I mean, my education was the same. It was like, you can't mess up. You don't want to fail. Strive for perfection, strive for a hundred percent, strive for A's. And if you're not doing that, then somehow you're not doing your life right. And that's, I feel like now trying to take that and look at it in a completely different way and say like, I want to get as many F's as I can, but know that I'm growing from it, right. That I'm taking the risks and I'm, and I'm jumping and I'm messing up and learning from it, but hoping, as you all had mentioned, that people can forgive that and see it as something that's admirable versus, well, you're just a failure, <laughs> you know, and you didn't do anything right, um, but that we can actually celebrate failure. And I, that's, a, that's like a world and a society that I want to live in. But as we, um, being mindful of time, as we transition, I'd be curious, I, well, we'll ask our final question, but I'm kind of curious as you all look to your future for each generation, what are you most excited about? Like, what are you looking forward to? Oh boy, I guess we can start at the bottom. I'll, I'll go first. Um, I mean, I'm just looking forward to so many more people getting a chance to live a life that they may have previously seen that was unattainable. Right now we're living in a society where it's like, speak your mind, grow your mind, 
take that leap and you can do whatever you want. You don't have to base your life off of the generations behind you. You are now your own person. And I think it's just been really powerful to hear so many people find a voice and really not care what other people think about it. And to think that we're going to be the, we're going to be raising children with that mindset of like, don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid that to say no or to say yes is going to breed a very strong group of independent people who can take us to some really great places. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when there is a world where there isn't hate against humanity, because if you're raised by parents that have a certain opinion on uh, certain races or something, that's how you grow up. That is, you're enveloped by that and you just innately just accept that as correct. And I think with the future generations, the further we go, the less of that hatred is going to be prevalent in society. And I'm just waiting for that, where there isn't a hate because of skin or um, diversity or anything like that. But that's just, that's a thing in the past. That's what I'm so looking forward to. And I hope that I'm alive, that that is going to be down to almost gone. Well, I'm sad that I'm going to run out of life before some of these problems get figured out. So, um, but, uh, but it's funny that the closer you come to the time, the end of your life, uh, the less fear you have for it. Um, because you, be, you, you know, we're right now, those of us in our 80s are in the process of, of realizing that we're not going to live very long, much longer, and you're going to miss some of the things that are going to be happening, and and that's and 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 I feel bad about that, but also, uh, death is not the scary thing that it is when you're younger, and that's very uh, that's very comforting. It's very wonderful to think about, and. Um, and to know that God is mystery and that when you die, uh, some of those mysteries that God is are going to be revealed to you. And um, because God is not revealing, no matter how hard a church tries to figure out God and to try to own God and try to understand God, it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen until perhaps when you die, although I have no idea what's going to happen then, but you know, nobody um, does. Nobody does because the mysteries, you can kind of, you can think you can see a glimpse into the mystery, but that's all you get is a glimpse. So remember everyone, call your grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that lesson. As someone who no longer has grandparents. My kids have been wonderful to me. I have never felt left out or disregarded as the way I sometimes felt I had done with my own grandparents. Beautiful. You're really doing a good job. Thank you. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Our last question that we ask our guests is how do you live your true north? So true north being your authentic self, your most full expression of you 
in one word? Confidence. Oh boy, this is tough. How do I live my true north? Limitless. Limitless. I'll say it with a little more authority and confidence. <laughs> um, I think just appreciating. One word. word. One word. Yes. All right. I'll say appreciation. Yeah. But limitless appreciation <laughs> and confidence. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so funny. <laughs> appreciation, one word. Appreciation. <laughs> you all are amazing. Thank you so much for being yeah. willing to play with us. I'm going to change it. Oh, she's, 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 I'm gonna say she's 86. She can do what she wants. Thank totally. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to chat with us. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk again. Yeah. Oh, you guys are awesome. I love that. <laughs> three heads. Yeah. And come and stay anytime you want. You know, watch out. I am homeless right know, now. So. Well, no, man. We're only three people out of this big family with lots of, of ways they think about things. That is true. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you all so much. Yeah, we really appreciate you. it. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.